Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I'm your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist, also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. I'm also a keynote and TEDx speaker, and I manage the website, the Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information regarding all kinds of things related to wellness, positive psychology, my own spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and lots of other wellness-related ideas. It's also the place where you can suggest upcoming guests for this podcast. As listeners to the podcast know, our guest lineup has really been impressive and includes lots of people who lead their own lives enthusiastically and can help us from their perspectives to become the best versions of ourselves. And that certainly applies to our guest today. We're going to welcome Dr. Mike Simpson to our program. He has served over three decades in the military as an airborne ranger, a special forces operator, and finally as a doctor of emergency medicine assigned to the Joint Special Operations Command. Throughout his career, Mike has deployed to 17 different countries from the jungles of South America, conducting counter-narcotics operations to the deserts of the Middle East, fighting the global war on terror. Along the way, Mike has been trained as a demolitions expert, SWAT sniper, high altitude, low opening parachutist, scuba diver, civilian paramedic, special forces medic, operations and intelligence sergeant, and a board certified emergency physician. Aside from that, uh, Mike hasn't done much with his life. Actually, he has. His passion for martial arts motivated him to become a practicing fight doctor. Mike works extensively with mixed martial arts, fighters, law enforcement, and military organizations providing medical care and training. As one of the foremost experts in both tactical trauma medicine and combat sports medicine, Mike is highly sought after as a lecturer and instructor. He also hosts the Mind of the Warrior podcast, sharing his personal knowledge and philosophy, as well as those of his guests, in an effort to spread the warrior ethos to the general public. Mike, I do feel like apologizing to my audience for bringing on such a slacker, but I yeah, hope I'm, we'll find I'm, that, uh, I'm not much of a self-starter. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't have to tell you how pleased and proud we are to have you on our podcast to be able to share your knowledge with our listening audience. So Dr. Mike Simpson, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Thank you very much, Ron. I appreciate being here. Well, as you may perceive, your resume is a little different than the typical guest who may have maybe some parts of it, but uh, it's nonetheless, you know, very unusual and impressive. And uh, so, again, just from a curiosity standpoint, if nothing else, 
Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to get to being who you are today? Yeah, uh, well, I guess you could say, I think it's probably pretty evident that it's it's a combination of short attention span and compensating for something, right? I went in the in the army right out of high school. I graduated in 1984, shipped off to basic training, airborne school, assigned to the Ranger Regiment, uh, was my first assignment. From there, went on to special forces training and to serve in special forces and in a few different capacities. Ultimately, at about what would have been the end, towards the end of most people's careers, uh, 17 years in, I decided to go ahead and go to medical school, uh, let Uncle Sam pay for it, knowing that I was going to come back to the community and provide medical care to, to those operators serving at the tip of the spear, which I did following my training and my EM residency. Did that for a while, ultimately retired in 2016 to settle here in Central Texas, where I work still pretty active in the mixed martial arts community, also uh, work as a tactical physician, uh, tactical SWAT physician for a couple of different agencies. And uh, it was actually through my podcast and through a little bit of the notoriety that I gained there that I started fielding a lot of questions from people, which is ultimately what led me to, to write the book that I just had come out that's uh, specifically on aging and, and on being a warrior athlete into middle age and, and beyond. Well, that's, uh, you know, right down our alley, obviously, uh, because a certain percentage of our listeners are in the second half century of their lives. And so I'm wondering, just from a practical standpoint, a warrior athlete, is that someone who's different than the rest of us? Or is it something that we all can kind of incorporate into our lives? Or if we were going to go that route, should we have started at 18 like you did? No, you know, absolutely. I mean, the best time to start a path to being a warrior athlete is years ago. The second best time is right now. And the worst time is never, you know, it, it absolutely can happen. If you're listening to this and you're in your forties, fifties, sixties, you can still be a warrior athlete. And what I, what I talk about in the book is being a warrior athlete doesn't mean you're going to go do Spartan races or compete in the tactical games, which are a, a really exciting thing to watch. Being a warrior athlete means not approaching it as a hobbyist, because if you approach fitness and wellness, you know, not just getting in the gym, but I mean, overall wellness, if you approach it as a chore or you approach it as a hobby, it's never going to be a priority. If you approach it as a focal point, as, as your mission, and that's what the warrior athlete does, then wellness is the most important thing in your life and everything in your life revolves around wellness. And that doesn't mean that the quality of life in other areas is diminished. In fact, I think it's enhanced. It just means prioritizing being the best version of yourself, which, which you, uh, you have stated, being the best version of yourself every single day. That's what a warrior athlete does. And does a warrior athlete, can he or she come from any aspect of life? In other words, if somebody has a sedentary job, Mm -hmm. can they still commit to being a warrior athlete? They absolutely can. I, you know, I tend to see my audience when I set out to write the book in, in four broad categories. And there's a lot of overlap. Uh, people see a bit of themselves in each of the categories. People that had an athletic past, either uh, high school or collegiate, or maybe four years very active in the military. But then, like you say, they, they got out, they, maybe they went to college, got a family and pursued a more sedentary lifestyle. So they've left that behind. The second group are those who 
pursued some type of athleticism at some point, but maybe got sidelined by injuries. The third group are those who have maintained that or at least attempted to do so throughout their lives. You know, the people you see out running every day, doing these long runs on the weekends, the, the guys our age you see on the side of the road on their bikes doing those 20 and, and 50 mile bike rides on the weekends, but they're noticing that it's a little bit more difficult to keep up, that recovery is a little bit harder, that their aches and pains are starting to catch up with them. And then the last category are what I call the late bloopers, the people who maybe never even considered it at all, but now they're at a point where, you know, maybe the kids are out of the house or they have a little bit more free time or their doctors or their significant other is just getting on them about their health. And they start to wonder, you know what? I've never been a gym person. I've never been an exercise person, but maybe it's something that I should start looking into for the quality and quantity of life. And I I would say to anyone that falls into one or more of those categories, this book is for you. And, and absolutely, I have the recipe on how you can unlock that lifestyle. Well, that pretty much covers everybody, which is kind of great. One of the things that I've noticed as, as someone who has, maybe not always, but for a big chunk of my life, has tried to stay active and gone to the gym and so on, is that there is a big category or a big gap between the category of people who tend to work out as part of their lifestyle and people who just look at it and think, geez, that's, that's too hard. I'm sure mm-hmm. it, it's not just true. It's working out, but somebody who's struggling with quitting smoking or sure. drinking or things of that nature. Do you have some advice for that fourth category? This the person who maybe has thought about it, wants to start becoming more active physician may have told mm-hmm. him or her about it, but you know, they look at it and geez, that that's hard. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a commitment. Uh, yeah. I got to get different. I have to change my clothes. I have to do these <laughs> kinds of things that for right. many of us now we'd feel guilty if we didn't do it. Right. Uh, but, but for many people seem like an obstacle. So I, yeah. I think, you know, as opposed to somebody who, who really is committed, probably, mm-hmm. uh, will continue to stay that way. What about those kinds of people? Yeah, a great question. And it's the two biggest excuses that I always hear from people are money and time. I don't have the money for a gym membership, which is not an excuse because there's plenty, you can, you don't need a gym membership. If you have a six by six area in your garage or alongside your house or in your living room, you know, you can do burpees, flutter kicks, push-ups, sit-ups, all of these things. You can do body weight exercises, air squats, the other being time. And to them, I say, you know, if you look, look at your day, take an honest look at your day and see where you're wasting time. How much time are you spending sitting on the couch watching television? How much time are you sitting there with your phone in your hand, scrolling through meaningless drivel that's not bettering your life? How much time are you spending just wasting in, in idle pursuits that, you know, and I'm only asking you for 20 or 30 minutes a day you know, maybe starting out three days a week and then progressing from there. So money is not an issue and you have the time. You just need to manage your time. And what I tell people all the time is success is what happens. And this isn't just for fitness. Success is what happens when you run out of excuses. And once you realize that your excuses aren't valid, you will find that success. And a better life is just on the other side of that hard work. So if you start a fitness plan with an eye towards progress, 
not perfection, recognizing you're not going to go out of the gym on that first day, bench pressing 275 pounds and, and running six minute miles and with a 30 inch waist and looking just absolutely amazing, but you are going to progress. And the fact that you showed up to the gym that day, you're already doing better than you of yesterday. And you're already doing better than everyone who stayed on the couch. So if you look at it and frame it in that aspect of it, then it'll be a lot easier for you. But unfortunately, in, in our drive-through society, we've, we've been conditioned to expect very fast results and we want everything right now. You know, if we order something on Amazon that takes more than 24 hours, we feel we're, we're just aghast that it would take that long. <laughs> and I remember when we were kids, you ordered something and it, you know, it was six to 10 weeks to get you know, that thing you mailed in the box tops for or whatever it was. Now, if it's not there in 48 hours, we're freaking out. But you, you need to be patient. You need to put in the work, put in the time, and accept the fact that it is going to take time. Really, really great advice. Thank you. What about somebody who may want to upgrade a bit and uh, become more intense in their workouts? First of all, is it a different mindset or a different body set that leads to that or and or is it going to mean a difference in in lifestyle in terms of the amount of time if somebody wants to you know be a more upgraded warrior athlete than a committed regular warrior athlete is that what's the commitment that's required and what's that going to mean in terms of of lifestyle you know, it, like anything in life, you know, the juice is equal to the squeeze. So you're going to get out what you put in. So if you approach this, as I said at the onset, if you approach it as a hobbyist, then you're going to be in better shape than you would be otherwise, but you're never going to maximize things. And a quick caveat here, just because I, I think it's important that we throw it in. If you are going from a level of either a level of no activity to a level of activity or a level of a current activity to a higher level, the caveat consult your doctor is not just a saying, it really is true. You really do need to have, uh, to get checked out and make sure that, you know, doing specific things is going to be healthy for you. But if you want to step that up, if you want to kick it up a notch, and if you say, you know what, hey, maybe this is the year I am going to do a triathlon or a marathon or a Spartan race or some type of endurance event, if you want to do that, you need to have a plan. You can't just wing it. And that's that's another thing that's different as we age. In our 20s, when it came to fitness, we could wing it. And our bodies were very pliable, very forgiving, and we could get away with that. When it comes to fitness and recovery now, in you know the, in the fifth decade and beyond, you just can't do that. You really have to play it smart. You have to let the wisdom of age kind of guide you. So having a plan, I think, is key for both how you're going to work out, what you're going to consume in the way of nutrition. And I highly advise people not only reading my book, but sitting down one-on-one -on -one with a trainer, talking about what your specific fitness goals are and coming up with a realistic plan on how to get there in the time frame allotted. That's very helpful. I guess you mentioned consulting the doctor. Since you are a doctor, I guess mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering what went into the decision about emergency medicine. <laughs> and uh, isn't some people would think that's an intense enough lifestyle that uh, you're doing a whole lot of other things besides that. So mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that part of your journey? Well, my pathway into medicine was as an 18 Delta Special Forces medic. And an 18 Delta is all about 
two things, which is uh, trauma medicine at the point of injury and then austere medicine, you know, you know, tropical diseases, things of that nature, prolonged field care away from any chain of hospitalization, chain of support. When I made the decision to go to medical school and I knew that I wanted to come back to the special operations community in a direct support role, I wanted to, I wanted basically to have the same job that I had as an 18 Delta Special Forces medic, but with increased capabilities. And I saw the avenue to do that as an emergency medicine physician, knowing that I could serve in a, through various jobs. And ultimately, the job that I got assigned to the Joint Medical Augmentation Unit proved to be the best job for me because I was working in a direct support role right alongside the combatants. And I talk about that a little bit in the first chapter of the book, that it was very non-traditional in, in the sense of how most people would think of a, a physician deployed overseas. I was in full kit, uh, you know, to, you lined me up with the operators. You, you wouldn't have been able to tell who was the physician, who was the medic, who was the breacher, you know, being out there and doing that job and supporting the people really engaged in active combat was what I wanted from the beginning. And that's why I chose emergency medicine, not for, because you can work shift work on the outside and you can go skiing on a Tuesday and I don't have to worry about my own malpractice insurance, you know, all the other reasons that oftentimes you hear people in the civilian world uh, pursuing EM. But that, that was my motivation, was to, was to do it, you know, in uniform, primarily working out of an aid bag in kit overseas. By the nature of doing emergency medicine, as well as going through some of the places where you were deployed, I'm sure you've seen some, some injuries in your time. And I guess from, for those of us who lead a, a quieter life, mm -hmm. but who may want to upgrade our physical activity, our wellness, things of that nature. Can you give us some advice on avoiding or reducing injuries? You know, I know I've had my share over time. Mm -hmm. It's I usually know what to do when I get one. I, I for example, I had a rotator cuff tear not mm -hmm. long ago, but I don't think anybody mm -hmm. works harder at rehab than I did, and I <laughs> won't need surgery. But how do you avoid it? Or what things should, I guess you can't totally avoid it, mm -hmm. but what things uh, should you be doing to increase the odds of not having to deal with, with surgery? There's an old saying, and I, I don't know how much truth there is to it, but they say, you know, the biggest cause of injury in old men is thinking that they're still young men. And I think that's partially true. I think if we don't temper what we're doing with the wisdom that comes with age, that that's a recipe for injury. And one of the things I said in my book that end up being one of the promotional quotes is the path to injury is paved with shortcuts. So when you start thinking, well, I absolutely have to be in this level of shape in this, in this period of time, that's when you start being unrealistic and that's when you're going to harm yourself. And you have to approach fitness from the perspective of longevity optimization as opposed to performance optimization. Um, and to give an example of what I mean by that, I don't have a, a goal of I have to deadlift a certain amount by the end of this month, or I need to be running a certain distance at a certain speed by the end of this month. I track my progress and I track my improvement, but I don't have, I don't, I'm not looking specifically towards short-term goals other than just improving every single day that I can. And in doing that, I'm never pushing myself too hard. I'm recognizing when I need to take rest and recovery periods because they're extremely important. 
Another thing that I would say is don't try to approach fitness the way we did in the 1970s, 1980s, or even 1990s when we didn't know what we didn't know. Not, that's not only true of us as individuals and our bodies are different, but it was also true of how we approached fitness. If you look at some of the misinformation we were fed in our youth, you know, from our high school gym teachers on up to individuals who are coaching professional sports teams, they just really didn't know. If you look, if you look at how an NFL camp would eat their meals in the 1970s and 80s, if you looked at those plates framed through the lens of what we know about nutrition today, you would be shocked that that's what they were putting in their bodies. So you need to take advantage of the, uh, the knowledge that we have now, exercise differently, and you need to look at things. Some of the things that I think are neglected and are extremely important and more important as we age are flexibility, mobility, and durability. Flexibility, of course, is, you know, can, can you bend passive bending of joints? Mobility is your ability to move through certain movements actively with increased movement. And durability, which is extremely neglected, is those single limb movements, doing things like lunges, single leg squats, dumbbell presses, as opposed to doing, say, bench press or overhead press with a large barbell, because that works the stabilization muscles. Because when you think about the injuries that we get in shoulders, knees, hips, elbows, wrists, generally it's caused by weakness of the stabilization muscles. So it's really important to work that durability. Things like yoga can be very beneficial for that. And, you know, people say, oh, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I'm too old to start yoga. You're never too old to start yoga. And, you know, stretching, yoga, meditation, proper rest, proper recovery days, both active and passive. And like you say, knowing when to slow down and do some rehabilitation and recognize that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I have time to rehab my shoulder. There's not some crazy competition that I'm going to miss out on next month. Okay, terrific advice. And uh, glad you said something about yoga because I know I came late to it, but using yoga and Pilates has been certainly one of the things that has been very helpful to me as, as an old guy. Uh, and I've had uh, at various times, uh, I believe it's three different yoga instructors and professionals uh, on this podcast. We've talked a little bit about those of us who are, are aging. I'm wondering if uh, you have some advice for people who are at the other side, uh, mm -hmm. as, as many of my listeners are, who are raising kids. I know when you mentioned about the, the way people used to train and eat in the past, I, I know um, if you were on a high school team, you practiced daily, but there were no such things as weight rooms or things mm -hmm. of that nature. They practice, you know, the, the warm ups compared to what we know <laughs> now is, you know, markedly different. And, and when we weren't playing on a, on a high school team, but on a community team, it typically was, one practice a week and then a game during the week, nothing in between. Again, no weight training. Nutrition was something that wasn't, you know, talked about. I mean, the mm -hmm. assumption was eat lots of meat and potatoes. That was mm -hmm. going to be really good for you. Doing anything with weights would make you muscle bound and so on. So what, what are some bits of advice that you could give to a parent who doesn't want to be a, like a stage mother or father, but mm -hmm. wants to really encourage healthy development of and attitudes about sports as, as their kids are growing up? 
I think it's important to to think of it in two different ways. Is number one, if if you're setting an example, if if you're doing all the things that are healthy, if you're eating a healthy diet, if you're avoiding sodas and sugary drinks, and and uh, you're getting your protein from from lean, clean sources, organically sourced chicken, good healthy fish, avoiding pasta and potatoes and french fries and avoiding prepackaged food junk food anything you get through a for, through a drive through as much clean healthy source as close to the source food as you can get so that that's a good start and then doing that exercise and doing it yourself so not only are you prolonging the time you're going to have on this earth with your children but you're setting the example for them of how somebody lives lives a healthy lifestyle and the patterns that we set, especially when it comes to diet in our youth, stay with us throughout our lives, not only mentally, behaviorally, but also in your body gets used to eating in certain patterns and storing fat in a certain way. And these are patterns that are established at an early age. So you're doing your kids a great disservice if you don't set that healthy example. If you're, if you're constantly caving in and they're getting chicken nuggets and a soda three days a week because you're tired and you've been at work all day, you're doing them a disservice, not just in the short term, but in the long term as well because of the patterns that you're setting. So, you know, try to set the example in in being active and make it a, make it a family activity that we're all going to go out together and mountain bike or play catch or go to the park and and do some shuttle runs and some push-ups and sit-ups. I take both of my, my, my oldest is in college now, but my youngest is just entering high school. And uh, when their time permits and my time permits, we all go to the gym together. And I, I write out a workout for them kind of based on the same movements that I'm doing, but with modifications, recognizing that my youngest is not going to be doing deadlift like I'm doing. So I get him a couple of kettlebell bells and he does a very light kettlebell deadlift, but they're going through the same range of motion, the same number of, of sets and repetitions. I guess this is what you mean when we talk about wellness becoming, you know, really a lifestyle that, you know, if you're really incorporating this stuff, it doesn't become a chore. It doesn't become difficult. And as you're pointing out, in many cases, it can actually be a family building opportunity as well, because this is something, you know, whatever anybody's interests are vocationally or otherwise, everybody should be interested in becoming healthier and, and the best version of themselves. 100%. Um, which leads me to a question. I believe you have uh, a line of supplements. Well, I don't endorse anything uh, and, and, you know, use that as a disclaimer. The, the whole concept of supplements is one that uh, I'd like to at least uh, get out there because aside from a little bit of controversy about it, the fact is that it's, it's a part of life. For, for, mm -hmm. Can you tell us why, what, why do you need it if you're eating healthy and what do your, does your particular line do for people? Uh, great question. And as you know, there's quite a bit of debate in the medical community about supplementation is, do we need supplementation? And and about every five to 10 years, you'll hear of another, yet another study that comes out that says, all right, we've, we've proven again, that if you're eating right, then you don't need to take supplements. But there's two caveats on all of those studies. And one is that you're eating right, which we know a lot of people aren't. Uh, and the other being is those studies are always typically done on people of average activity level, 
not people that are pushing the envelope and certainly not people that are pushing the envelope in the fifth decade of life and beyond. I found that I wanted to seek natural longevity, natural pain relief, look for things that actually worked. So over the years, I started to compile a list of, you know, I would hear about a supplement, somebody would mention something, whatever the newest fad supplement happened to be. And and I would go to PubMed and I would start looking up to see if there were any studies to back it up, whether that was turmeric or zinc or D3 supplementation, whatever it might be. And I started keeping a list of things and started kind of piecemealing these myself. And then I found over time, a lot of people had the question. I was getting emails all the time. What supplement should I take? And I was basically giving them the whole laundry list of, okay, you need to, most of what in what is in most supplements you don't need and you're just paying for filler. So here are the things that I've researched and are clinically efficacious, but unfortunately you're going to have to go and buy them as individual things. And then it dawned on me, why don't I just put these things together? It's easier for me. It's easier for the people asking me for the question, asking me the questions. So I came up with seven different formulations that that I'll have over time. Right now, I have two in my supplement line because starting a supplement brand costs money and I didn't have the capital to launch all seven SKUs right out of the gate. But my longevity formula, which is is all about healing, recovery, it's also a, a bit of an immune booster. Everything that is in it, there are clinical trials to support. And it's, people are always shocked. They look and they go, there's not a lot of ingredients. And I said, yeah, that's because I only put ingredients that work. When you see a supplement that has three times as many ingredients, it has the same number of ingredients that work, but they're putting more in there because they want more of your money. I also launched my energy formula that I'm not, never been a fan of pre-workouts. So I wanted something that was going to provide a little bit of natural energy without side effects that wouldn't last too long that, that I could take in the evening because I go to jujitsu class in the evening. I didn't want something that I was going to come home and still be all jacked up and be up all night. So I came up with a formulation using uh, B vitamins, yerba mate, and some amino acids that I found does an excellent job of boosting my energy and giving me focus. So between the longevity formula and the energy formula, I've gotten amazing feedback so far. And and I'm hoping that in the coming year, I'll be able to launch the other five SKUs in my supplement line, which is called Graybeard Performance. Okay, good. That was going to be my next question. (laughs) Graybeard Performance is the name. Can you give us a bit of a preview of what might be in the the others? Because we know about longevity and energy. Yeah, I, I do have a sleep formula that's going to be coming out soon. Probably the next two that, that I'm concentrating on are a, a sleep formula because that's that's a, a common problem, not just among people our age, but among everyone in the Western world. And what I call the vitality formula, which is going to be, it works very well with the energy formula and it provides a lot of natural focus, has some things in it that uh, increase blood flow, uh, have been shown on some cognitive tests to really help people stay in the game mentally. And I know there's a lot of things out there on the market kind of in the same niche, but I wanted something that had a little bit more clinical trial background behind it. So uh, so I went out and did my research and, and found some stuff and in going out and buying the, the raw materials myself and, and taking them, I found that, it, that it, the, the materials uh, that I have in it work very well. So I'm really excited to get that in, an, in a capsule form uh, so that you can just buy the bottle. You don't have to piecemeal it. Okay. And it'll again be under the uh, Graybeard Performance label for those of us who want to stay that, up. That's correct. Okay. Uh, we're drawing near the end of our time, not the, near the end of the questions that I have, but uh, I 
do you have to be a bit of a traffic cop on this? Sure. <laughs> so there's one question that, that has been percolating in my mind uh, since I looked at your resume and even more so now, and that's what do you do to relax? Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a huge stress reliever for me. It doesn't feel very relaxing in the moment that it's going on, obviously, but, but when I get home, I'm quite relaxed. My wife and I enjoy mountain biking together. That's something we, we kind of, we found again during COVID as a way to get outside and spend time together, working up a sweat, getting in some sunlight and some fresh air, spending time with my wife, my kids, and we have, uh, we have two English bulldogs. And I don't think there's anything on earth more relaxing than sitting comfortably, maybe drinking some herbal tea and uh, holding my bulldog's jowl in my, between my fingers and kind of, kind of running that soft fur between my fingers as he snores in my lap. So that's probably one of the most relaxing things that I do. Okay. It's great advice. Although some of us who don't have English bulldogs may have to find some other <laughs> substitute, but that's, that's great. I'm glad that you, you mentioned this, the fact that you've had to modify some things during COVID because it does bring up the importance of really wanting to minimize pre-existing conditions yes. if we ever have to deal with another pandemic. And, and we're not out of this one yet. But I think that for me personally, and just I just try and promote it as much as possible, the, the, the best thing you can do for yourself is really to build your strength and wellness, your health, both physical and emotional. Uh, number one, it does wondrous things for your brain as well as your body, but also minimizes the potential for pre-existing conditions. You mm -hmm. really don't want to be in that kind of situation again. This has been so interesting, but I know we don't, we haven't gotten the tip of the iceberg in terms of stuff that you have to contribute. Where can people learn more about you, what you have to offer? And uh, you mentioned the book, but you didn't mention the title and where you can get it. So <laughs> let me just throw all that at you and say, uh, tell us, you know, what you've got out there, how people can get to it, how people can find you, contact you if necessary, and so on. Certainly. The, the title of my book is Honed, Finding Your Edge as a Man Over 40. It's available on Amazon, uh, also available uh, barnesandnoble.com. If you just Google Honed Dr. Mike Simpson or Honed Finding Your Edge as a Man Over 40, it'll take you to a, a few different places that you can buy it in both uh, e-format and in hard copy and in soft cover. I have a couple of different websites. So primarily I do everything through graybeardperformance.com, the website that I have my Graybeard Performance brand, which uh, is where I sell my supplements, also sell uh, jujitsu fight gear, and ultimately planning to expand that uh, into an overall life and lifestyle brand. It'd be one-stop shopping. That's my goal over time. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm very active there. I have uh, Graybeard Performance has its own account that I run. Also, I'm uh, at Dr. Mike Simpson, DR, not doctor spelled all the way out. Also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Graybeard Performance. So you can find me all of those ways. Great. And for those of you who can't, who aren't, aren't seeing him, but hearing him, not sure where the gray beard title came from. There's a, there's a oh, yeah, there are right, a few. Right here, yeah, the microphone. <laughs> there, there are a few. That's, uh, there, there aren't many things on uh, his resume that Mike has exaggerated, but I think the, the gray is, is probably 
Uh, a bit of an exaggeration. There's uh, that, there's a few in there. That's fair. I use it more of kind of a, a general descriptive term as a yeah, than, I, than as a title. <laughs> I understand. And in the book, it's just so I heard it correctly. It's H O N E D. Is that right? That is correct. Oh, yes. So this has been absolutely fascinating, absolutely enlightening, absolutely educational, and inspiring me to do some things differently. Hopefully. Will get everybody focused on the goal of wellness. And you can see wellness really fits in with positive psychology, with goal achieving psychology. It's really, we're on this earth for more decades than people used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important to try and prolong really healthy functioning for as long as we possibly can. And for helping us do so. Dr. Mike Simpson, we're so grateful and uh, appreciate your coming on. Can't promise that I won't ask you to come on again because I-, I It would be my pleasure. Yep. Be my so, pleasure, Ron. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. And maybe next time you'll have some of the other sub supplements in your line to tell us about. I hope so. Well, great. So this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, our Terrific guest today has been Dr. Mike Simpson. I won't repeat all the things that he's got going for him, but uh, he's really an expert in active lifestyles and active aging, as well as being active throughout the lifespan. Lots of great advice on this uh, podcast. I hope that you'll not only listen to it multiple times, but will comment upon it as you download, uh, rate the podcast, and so on. And be back next week when we'll have another really interesting guest, although Mike's performance will be hard to top. <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, again, the website is mentalhealthgym.com. Hope to hear from you and certainly feel free to suggest future guests for future podcasts. We're still in the pandemic and in some places uh, there's been a worsening. So make sure that you're following appropriate precautions and that you're staying safe out there. But some people during the pandemic have gotten a little too sedentary and put on a little extra weight. The fact that we're still in it does not mean that we shouldn't be as active as we possibly can, even if it's in a modified form. And on that note, again, I hope that you'll be looking for Dr. Simpson's book, Honed, Finding Your Edge as a Man Over 40. Hope you'll visit his website. And once again, I'd encourage you, if you haven't done so, to get a copy of Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. And on that note, looking forward to meeting with you again next week. Thanks again to Dr. Mike and stay safe.